everyone, Kareem Ray here, and today I have the pleasure to interview Mark Washo, who is the founding partner at Flower City Union. Flower City Union is an American professional soccer team based in Rochester, New York, in the United States, which competes in the National Independent Soccer Association League, which is a third-tier professional soccer league in the U.S. Mark, thank you for taking the time for joining us today. How's it going? Good. Hi, hello, Kareem. Thank you for the opportunity. And it's always fun to talk soccer and soccer business. So looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. Likewise. So, you know, can we just tap into how you got involved into the beautiful game? Did you play? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of an interesting story because I am one of uh, four brothers uh, and I'm the only one who actually didn't play soccer in high school or any kind of a significant level. Uh, I did play a little bit of youth soccer, um, but um, so that's why it's kind of weird that I'm the one that uh, went on to this really long career in uh, professional soccer. Uh, but I, uh, I basically got involved uh, more on the business side uh, way back in the early 90s when the uh, U.S. Uh, the World Cup was here uh, in, in America back in 94 kind of dates me a little bit, I suppose. Uh, but back then I had had some previous experience with uh, Bison baseball. And I also worked in the NBA, uh, Washington uh, Wizards. They were the bullets back then. And when Major League Soccer started back in 1995, uh, leading into the inaugural season in 96, uh, I was reading all about it. I happened to work for a company called Bu uh, Budget Rent-A-Car, who everybody knows. We were the worldwide sponsor uh, of the World Cup. I happened to be the embassy representative, so I was kind of the most popular guy for a couple of months when um, the World Cup came to D.C., and I had never seen the passion and the power of the fans, and I was really blown away by the experience, and then lo and behold, learned uh, Major League Soccer was launching and uh, got in on the ground floor, more or less. I think I was employee number five or six with D.C. United uh, way back when uh, Major League Soccer uh, had first launched, so it was a combination of um, being involved in professional sports, getting exposed to the World Cup, and happened to be in the right place, right time, I suppose, and got my foot right in the door. And uh, who knew, almost 30 years later, I'd be sitting here talking to somebody like yourself on a soccer podcast about another soccer club that I'm involved with, uh, Flower City Union. So uh, that's that's as quick of the backstory as I could I could make that one, for sure. <laughs> in a nutshell. Um... You know, you mentioned a lot of ex great experience on the business side that you've had that a lot of people don't get to have. World Cup, NBA. How has that helped you transition to the ownership side of things with Flower City Union? Yeah, I think uh, everything that's that's happened in my professional sports career, because it is broader than just soccer in general, and then even the experiences that I've had outside of sports. I mean, I even mentioned working with Budget Rent a Car for a year and a half, and even before all of that. I worked in uh, basically I was a life insurance kind of life and disability insurance sales. Uh, I was called a marketing apprentice, but that was a glorified title for actually insurance salesman. And I look back and I often look at the the first year and a half when I was just uh, working in, a, in an area that I didn't really like that much. But those fundamental sales, business development, marketing skills, when I did get into the sports industry, uh, translated uh, extremely well. And um and then I use that as the building block for all the opportunities that I had in professional soccer. And it was interesting because the game did grow. It, it grew and it expanded and, you know, new stadiums got built. So I, I, again, never envisioned or anticipated at the time that soccer would continue to explode like it has 
you know, in America. So every club I've been to, every team I've been to, uh, where I've been involved in the day-to-day business operations, as I still am, even though I'm a quote unquote, you know, an owner of this club and helped found this club, basically founded it. Uh, you know, I'm still very involved at this moment in the day-to-day business operations. And, you know, uh, a club like this where you're you're building it from the ground up with very limited resources, um, both financially as well as human resource. Uh, you know, we're we're digging deep into the into the into the toolkit, as the saying goes, into the into the history of everything to try to, you know, accelerate things and come up with best practices. So every experience is becomes a building block for the next one. And, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, try to harness that and utilize that for, uh, for the endeavor and experience that I'm in right now. Absolutely. You mentioned the NBA, you mentioned being in the early stages of the MLS and, you know, being a part of the world cup, um, you know, having all these different experiences and not only in one sport, why did you, you know, tend to focus more so on soccer and then getting uh, in on the ownership side of things for soccer? Yeah, yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I think really when it came to sports in general, it really was the growth of Major League Soccer. I mean, it really was. It was, uh, and the other thing is when you're in the sports industry, and especially with MLS clubs, especially back in the early days, you know, you're only talking about at the time, you know, maybe front offices that had 25, 30, 40 people, maybe. Obviously, those, uh, if you look at an MLS uh, front office at the moment, a little bit bigger. I mean, when I was with Chicago Fire, Back even in you know 20, 2010 2011 timeframe, um, you know we had we had a pretty you know pretty large front office and we were running an entire you know twenty thousand seat stadium soccer specific stadium, so we had you know really big staff. So um, yeah, it it um, it's it's one of those things that just uh, again you you know you you learn and you build and and I think soccer just happened to be exploding in America. Uh, and there's only limited opportunities sometimes to advance your career. So you have to look at moving to new markets. And um, and it just so happened that Major League Soccer had growth opportunities. And with my history and background and then kind of being part of DC United as one of the story clubs and the club that had a lot of success early on, you know, I think I you know became pretty marketable, uh, you know, at the time. And um, and I did look, I had opportunities for sure to get in back into the NBA uh, had had pers- looked at opportunities across a lot of them: Major League Baseball, NASCAR, NFL, XFL, USFL. You name it. Um, it just felt like the opportunities and the timing uh, seemed to always uh, be be right for for the, for soccer. Um, I even with well the my agency right now, Freedom Sports Entertainment, that I've I've, I've had now for maybe twelve years or so. Uh, at a period of time, I got really heavily involved in college athletics. Uh, that was when I started the agency, I was involved with pro soccer teams, but then it kind of transitioned into college athletics, um, but then became more broad in this sports industry. But, you know, even with pro soccer, everything that a pro soccer team needs is pretty transferable to anything that any uh, professional sports organization needs or college athletics were at the time. Uh, we're trying to mimic a lot of the things that professional teams were doing, especially in revenue and business and uh, revenue generation and business development ticket sales and sponsorship. So they were looking to guys like myself that had the pro sports background to say, Hey, teach us how you do this, how you generate revenue in the college athletics world, where historically they hadn't focused on it that much and, or mostly outsource it versus keeping it in house. So um, anyway, that that's kind of, I think the answer your the short answer is it's opportunities and major league soccer continue to grow. Doors were opening, progression opportunities happen, new stadiums were getting built 
Uh, and that that's how I, I, I was able to kind of stay in the sport of soccer. Absolutely. You know, I've heard before, uh, you know, 23 years ago, the question was, would soccer survive 23 years later? It has. And now we got Messi in the U.S. playing for Inter Miami, the 2026 World Cup coming up, MLS franchise fee being 500 million. This will trickle down to all the other leagues. You know, why the question the question I'm leading towards is why did you choose to, um, you know, launch a team in uh, the NISA nice League National Independent Soccer Association? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just if I may, a brief comment on what you just said there is that first and foremost, back when we launched Major League Soccer and, you know, literally the first five, seven, eight, eight years, even we literally used to sit around those conference room tables or. You know, after the meetings were over at the at the bar, you know, having a uh, a beer with with each other, and the conversation was always: Imagine when these young kids that are all playing soccer, you know, become you know parents of their own, and they start having kids of their own, they start having discretionary income of their own. Imagine if we could lure you know owners that have the financial wherewithal and capacity to support it. Imagine if we could build soccer specific stadiums, because mind you. Back then, we were all playing in NFL stadiums mostly, and sometimes old NFL stadiums that were abandoned, like RFK, for example, or what happened in Dallas. So, yeah, I mean, we we never, never, I mean, it was just, a, it was, it was a pipe dream. It was a what if, it was a can you imagine if, and there was always the doubt, even though we all believed, you know, that it would be the outcome. But to see it come to fruition is something that is just pretty incredible and if we had a crystal ball back then, we uh, it would have been, been a lot easier, I think. And then even just with these franchise fees, you just mentioned $500 million. I mean, back in 2009, 2010, I was part of a group that helped uh, AEG sell uh, Chicago Fire for $38 million, which at the time was a record franchise sale for any major league soccer club to a private equity firm in California. That that gentleman, that entity, uh, since sold it, you know, for three hundred eighty million. Fast forward eleven years later, so you know the the idea that it's five hundred million is, is incredible. <laughs> you know, to hear you say that as well, and uh, and and again, mystifying and shocking. But at the same time, you know, uh, we all believed it. We all believed that 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 would be the case. You know, so um, anyway, I just want to touch on that because that I just wanted to comment because I, you know, that that's kind of the way it, it occurred, but uh. To answer your question specifically about Flower City Union and, and why NISA, I was part of, uh, I was brought in to be the chief business officer of the Rochester Rhinos back between late 15 into 2018. After two years, I saw a lot of growth with our club uh, in attendance mostly in the way our community was embracing us in the way our activations were happening at the stadium. Uh, it used to be called Soccer Town USA here in Rochester and Somebody like myself, I grew up here as a kid. I left for 26 plus years and I had a chance to come back and try to revitalize the history, the glory days of the Rhinos back when they won the U.S. Open Cup and things like that. And unfortunately, a lot of external circumstances, especially with our ownership, the city, the league we were in, uh, enabled, you know, we, we had a different story, I guess, that got told publicly that we were this sinking ship, that nobody cared about soccer in Rochester. And I was the guy in the middle of it, living and breathing it. Uh, and I had, you know, literal P&Ls, you know, from 2016 to 2017 to show that we weren't a seeking ship, that we were growing our business, that we had reduced our operating losses, that we, you know, everything was upticking, expenses were getting were getting cut. And we were, we were looking, but we were pointing in the right direction. So 
to have that on rack, I felt like what I tell people is it was uh, it was a snowball kind of heading down a hill and we were picking up momentum and then we hit a brick wall uh, versus, you know, the idea that we were just, again, a ship that was sinking. And again, there was a lot of external factors that went into why that didn't continue. So for me, and when 2018 and 19 rolled around, I kind of thought maybe, hey, you know, the soccer thing was a good idea. And, and but it was always nagging at me. It was always bothering me that. I was like, this 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 community has a good good history here. There's people that care. Everywhere I went, people were asking, "Hey, Mark, what's going on with the Rhinos? Hey, Mark, when are the Rhinos coming back? Hey, Mark, what's going on with professional soccer and Rochester?" It's like it wouldn't leave me no matter where I went. And I kept saying, "Well, why why you know why don't we have like we need to have professional soccer here?" So, um, and then that led into the the idea that a league like NISA was forming. Uh, COVID was right in the middle of it all. So that was very challenging, as you can imagine. Um, and then and then and then it just started looking like a, a business model that could be attainable, that we could raise enough capital for, and that we can find uh, some investors and get more community engagement and support. So it was those factors that kind of really went into the idea that, hey, we got a, maybe a different model now, a different league that could lend towards success. And we, I, I was able to, I was able to do it. I was able to find uh, some investors. It was one investor at the time. It turned into two, and then it turned into one again. It's, it's a little bit of a checkered, checkered history with the club. But um, current moment, we have two investors. Uh, you know, we we're, we're 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 building momentum. This year has been is going a lot better than last year. We had our record crowd uh, last Saturday, August fifth. And, and when you have crowds like that and you have people in the building, then people start to notice and we're starting to get more phone calls now and sponsors are starting to people that wouldn't return our emails or phone calls are emailing us back and saying, hey, we want to come to a game and we want to check out a match. And, you know, we definitely got some positive momentum. So, again, uh, uh, obviously, it's a you know more in-depth story than that. But the genesis is I felt like we had momentum. I felt like there was a market here. It went away for a number of years. A league like NISA created an opportunity for us to get back into professional soccer, kind of the perfect storm hit. We did have a sport management program that was connected to it as well. And that was another part of our decision to kind of move forward. Uh, you know, we uh, that that program hasn't continued uh, at this moment, but it was kind of a little bit of the you know convergence of the perfect storm, I guess. And then, you know, we jumped in, we jumped in uh, Lake Ontario again, <laughs> jumped in the lake or the pond as the saying goes. And honestly started swimming and that's 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 kind of the summary of the of the story of how we got flower city union kind of going yeah and you know i want to take the time to thank you for all the work that you did at major league soccer and where major league soccer is today is huge so i you know i wish i could go back in time and and see that that history and learn more about that because you know you know mls set the pathway and and it survived so you know the work that you guys have done doesn't go unnoticed and, it, and it's it's amazing what you guys have done Oh, Kareem, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you, because, you know, look, uh, there's a lot of people like myself. There's not many of us, first of all, still kind of, I guess, kicking around the game. No, no pun intended on that. But, uh, you know, there, there is a core group of people that really, really felt like we took Major League Soccer on our back and we lived and breathed it and sacrificed a lot and really try to be, you know, we, we felt, you know, we knew we were pioneers and trailblazing and, and it's great to see how the growth and the momentum and how much it's exploded. And that's very, very gratifying and very, uh, but we also feel like, man, some of the people involved present day have no idea the heavy lift and the, and the hard work and the grind and all those things that we say that went into building this, you know, major league soccer. And, uh, 
you know, not that any of us expect medals or anything or, or, or statues, of course, you know, but, but it's nice, you know, to hear somebody like yourself, uh, you know, say that and recognize it because yeah, that's all. We just feel like, Hey, it's nice to be acknowledged and nice for people to, you know, look back and say, wow, there was a history. There were a lot of people that were involved. Um, people that really just, you know, really, like I said, put their heart and soul into it. And then to see the payoff now is, is, is really great, which by the way, is a reason why when I went to launch flower city union and, and by no stretch, do I want to misrepresent and say that I'm, you know, some big, uh, you know, um, financial investor in this club as a, as a partner, as a part owner, but I never had equity in any of these teams or these projects or these clubs. And, uh, I was even part of the early days of the Washington spirit, the women's pro league. And, I did finally get the a nice championship ring and a medal, courtesy of the former owner, who was kind enough to, uh, to 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 you know honor you know give me one uh, as as recognizing my participation. But I wasn't an equity partner, so when that club sold for thirty eight million, you know, a couple of years ago, I'm like, ah, oh, even if I had a nice little sliver of that, would have been nice. And so this one, uh, when I was talking to investors and talking to owners, uh, potential you know people, I was like, look, I you know. I'm going to put a lot of sweat equity in this. I'm going to put a lot of my, you know, my knowledge and my soccer history. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I had a, I have a good reputation still in Rochester because we always try to do things the right way. Uh, I was like, I wanted to make sure I carved out a, an equity piece for myself to be part of it. Um, so uh, the group that that I'm with current moment, you know, saw that, saw the vision, saw the passion, and they said, hey, you know, Mark, this makes sense, you know, uh, at this stage of not only my career but what I've brought to the table and. You know, that business plan in my briefcase that I talk about uh, really wouldn't have happened, you know, so if I were, you know, weren't involved. So uh, it's nice that I'm in a position now where I do have that ownership, you know, equity piece and uh, I'm a minority partner in this project. So uh, that that that's nice to see as it kind of comes full circle a little bit. Yeah, totally understand that, you know, that, you know, that exchange in value is always important, especially in equity. It could, you know, be a big difference. Um so totally understand where you're coming from in that regards. And, and now where you are in that position from experience, it, it all makes sense. And, and it's only going to grow re regardless. Um, uh, when did you guys, when was Flower City Union founded? So technically it was founded pretty much, uh, well, the idea and the general concept was back in 2019. Uh, my very first meeting with Nisa was in 2020 at the um, annual uh, coaches convention. I believe we were in Baltimore at the time. It was either Baltimore or Philadelphia. Um, uh, that's where I met uh, Josh Pruch and uh, his father, John, who's the commissioner of NISA. Uh, that is when you know I got more information about the reality of the, of the league. Uh, then, of course, COVID hit. Uh, so during that time, we were trying to find the right, again, the investors. We had the relationship with, um, with St. John Fisher, which is a sport management program uh, here in Rochester, which, you know, they're part of the history of Flower City as much as anybody, even though they made the strategic decision not to continue their master's program. That was really the, the key piece as to why we're not as embedded anymore, even though we do still work with their students and we have a couple players on our team that went to St. John Fisher. So there still is a, a looser affiliation, but, um, but we, we, so then we, you know, we decided in 2020, we made our first application uh, late 2020, then it led into 21. We finally announced uh, the, you know, the fact that we had applied to NISA. We took a year to kind of build, you know, create the brand, engage with the community. We did a lot. We did like a six month deep dive uh, cream into 
interviewing you know everybody from the SOC community, the business community, to say, hey, what should this club be? What should this club be called? What's the crest and what do the colors look like? You know, and and that 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 helped us shape uh, Flower City Union. Uh, we engaged with Chris Payne, who's a soccer designer. Uh, done a, done a lot of great work with a lot of great soccer brands, not only here in America but overseas. And then, so by the time we finally kicked the ball in 2022, uh, we had been around for probably you know a year and a half, and the and the concept was probably two years old. And um, and and so. Uh, yeah, that that's kind of the history, and and it was good to get that first year under our belt, and we learned a lot, and uh, it really helped us kind of position ourselves as we turned the corner into this season. Uh, that stated, as you can imagine, with a league like NISA, and I guess the way to say this, things are always kind of fluid, you know, and and even with our organization, I mean, to be honest, uh, we have a fan ownership campaign. Uh, we had to merge and create a new entity when we brought in our our, our new uh, investor and uh, partner into the into the equation. So we had to relaunch our fan ownership campaign. So there's been a lot of things that have transpired, but uh, um, you know, I guess we've technically been around since pretty much definitely 2021, and you could even argue going back to that first NISA meeting, you know, back in in 2020. So uh, yeah, it's pretty 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 crazy when you when you reflect back a little bit as, you know, um, what it takes, you know, launch something, even, even at the division three professional soccer level, you know, um, and I'm glad we had that year. Uh, we, I wish we had two years to be honest, to prepare and rev it up and build things the right way. But, um, you know, some, I see sometimes clubs come in, you know, two, three months and then boom, they hit the ground, they start playing. And that always makes me pause these days and say, wow, you know, you really kind of need that year season or two build up, you know, to hopefully do it the right way. Understood. Um, with saying that, what were the takeaways from the first season? What were things that you you know you guys learned? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I think a lot of the takeaways were well. Number one, uh, well, we also had RNYFC in this market at the time. <laughs> they decided to uh, the old the former owners of the Rhinos decided to launch a USL. I'm sorry, MLS Next Pro Club. So that was a little bit of a challenge and something we had to navigate over. Not not anything we could control, but just happened to be in our market. I think we learned that while we had a great brand and a great brand launch that was very well received by the community uh, and we had good merchandise and things that sometimes that hype and that buzz doesn't always translate right away into people wanting to come to your stadium and fans wanting to come. I think we learned that there's a lot of confusion in the Rochester marketplace because of, because of the teams that have come and gone both professionally as well as amateur. Uh, there's some amateur teams here that, you know, that, you know, like everybody, you know, you position yourself in the, in a, in a way that, you know, people get confused. Are you professional? Are you amateur? So we had to do a lot of education in that first year that we were a professional club and we weren't amateur and we had to educate people about NISA and our league. And I think people didn't really understand what the league is and that it was a national league and we weren't just playing, you know, a team down the road in Buffalo, for example, we were actually playing teams from California and Chattanooga and uh, Michigan and things. So it was just a lot of uh, education and awareness. And I think we learned that, um, yeah, we, we learned that it's, it's going to be a, it, it, yeah, I, I guess for, you know, for us, it was kind of like, Hey, we, we knew what the numbers looked like in 2017 from the fans and the fan base and the ticket holders. You can't just flip a switch and all those people are going to come, you know, running back over to this new organization. You are a new organization. You got to start from scratch and, and then people, you're an unknown, you know, uh, even though we had a nice brand and, and everything, it's just uh, 
people want to know that you're, you know, that you're serious and that you're here to stay. And what's this organization going to be? Are they going to, are they going to come and go like all the rest of the soccer teams here? Like, yeah, just so we had to overcome a lot of, a lot of skepticism, you know? Um, so yeah, we learned, we learned, we learned a lot of those things. We learned a lot about getting back into that stadium uh, that we're playing in great stadium. Fantastic. Just, you know, new mayor in our city, new, new people operating the facility. So we had to learn all those things. And, uh, it was a little difficult for me personally because I, I kind of kept reflecting back to the 2017 where we had we had sponsor signs everywhere. We had a beer garden. We had a spirits garden. We had, you know, activations galore every game, you know, hospitality tents. And then, you know, you go to a, you know, basically a blank stadium again. We had to start all over again from scratch. So <laughs> that was that was challenging as well, for sure. Um, anyway, that. Yeah. So that that's what we learned. A lot of a lot of those things, the little things. Actually, yeah. reminiscent of 90, 1996 Major League Soccer in a lot of ways, candidly. Yeah, it seems like one of the, you know, one of the big problems with, you know, leasing a stadium that you have to deal with the management of that stadium and not being having the flexibility to to do what you want to do. Yeah. Seems. Yeah. Seems and, and, and that that was a little different for us, for, for us and myself in that back in 17, 16 we we operated the stadium so the rhinos had the contract to operate and run the facility and we could book it and we could sell it and we could do everything we wanted uh this go around we're just a tenant and the city of rochester is the operator so yeah we had to learn how to now i've had those experiences myself professionally both with rfk stadium and then giant stadium which is now metlife stadium in new york where again our team was just the we were a tenant we are not the stadium operator when I got to Toyota Park in Chicago, we did become the operator again. So that that's a different world. That's a nice world. That's a better world to be in, quite frankly, when you can control everything. And but but at the same time, look, you know, you gotta you gotta learn how to work with your with your with your venue. And and uh, they've actually been they, the city of Rochester has been great great to work with. They 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 honestly really have. They've been very flexible. They've been accommodating. Uh, yeah, they've been they've been they've been good to work with. But it's been very very good. Um, so one step away, if, if we were to operate, it'd be better, but we're, it, it, it's actually a, a pretty darn good relationship at this moment. It's going pretty well. Yeah, no, that's really good to hear. If you could go back in time to the beginning, what would you do differently? With Flower City Union? Yeah. Or, or in general? <laughs> with... I mean, I mean, which, whichever one you would prefer to answer. Uh, no, it's funny. In, in general, people say, you know, sometimes you reflect back on the on a pro sports career and, and there's so many amazing moments. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Uh, but like any profession, you know, you make a lot of sacrifices, right? A lot of nights, a lot of weekends, a lot of holidays when you're working, you know, game days and everybody's at the beach or they're at the lake, you know, driving their boats around, you know, and you're, you're, you're putting your suit on and going to the stadium, you know? Um, but I think with flower city union, if we could do that, I think there's not a lot we would change. Um, I think, you know, in the way we kind of went about things, I think the thing that really has hindered us is just been, and again, this is no, this no disrespect to anybody involved with our organization, just, you know, it's the realities of the realities of, you know, the, the capital commitments that we had and, and the, the the owners that we have and the investors we have, they're 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 incredible. They're some of the best owners I've ever worked with historically. Um, you know, but everybody, you know, financially there there's there's limitations. Uh, you know, based on other commitments that they have, other business endeavors. 
you know, it's not an infinite, you know, amount of capital and funding, which is, which is to be expected hundred percent, you know, and I just think that our organization, if we were to, you know, to truly really be able to kind of really go at it and build it and have the time required and the resources is it, it would be better if we had, again, maybe another year where we didn't play professional uh, and, and maybe, we, maybe we played amateur. Like, I think we launched in the right timing. I think maybe we could have used a year in amateur where we could have, you know, built our brand and kind of built our, our, our sponsorship base, built our capital base, built our ticket base, got better prepared financially, I think as a backing kind of the foundation and then launched into pro, uh, if we were to do it over again, that maybe that strategy would have been a little better. Um, then again, on the flip side, sometimes in one of our owners has this thought, Hey, you, sometimes you got to get going and you got to differentiate and, and show that you that you are professional and not amateur. Cause if you're amateur, maybe you end up being just like the other amateur clubs in the market. So that makes it tougher to differentiate, you know, over time. So, so who knows, right. We would never know uh, how that would have gone, but um, I guess if you were to say, if we were to do it over, could, could we have done that a little differently? The answer could be possibly that, that that's all. Understood. Um, with saying, correct me if uh, if I'm wrong. You guys have both a men's and professional, uh, men's and women's professional team, but you guys have a youth system, a path to pro yet implemented from U4 to U19 in place that's generating revenue. Uh, yeah. So to clarify, we do have a men's professional team. However, we don't have a women's professional team. We have a women's amateur club that we did launch for the reasons I just mentioned about the men's club is we felt like we wanted to get involved in the women's game. We were excited to launch flower city, 1872. It pays homage to homage to uh, Susan B. Anthony, uh, who's an iconic figure here in Rochester uh, as the first female person to ever vote, you know, and, and uh, in America. So uh, a little bit of it, you know, she's a trailblazer clearly. So, um, so, but again, we're not, we're not ready to go pro yet. Now, the good thing on the women's side is there's a lot of professional leagues that are starting to either creep up or start up or on the horizon. So we feel good about the future where so women's soccer can go here in Rochester, but we want to do it when we're ready. Um, so, uh, so yeah. And then, and then, uh, yeah, and we've been then the youth side, we, we are not operating. Uh, we don't really have a pathway to pros at this point. Well, we have two affiliations with two amateur clubs. One is called Soda City. Uh, they're down in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, we have a, a, a club partnership with them. We actually, we've got one of their players in camp this uh, training with us this week. We were supposed to bring two or three. We might bring them in a couple of weeks, share a lot of best practices. Our head coach has been down there. We have another amateur club here called Smugtown. Those are affiliations where we can use their trialists and guest players to train with our team they can't play in our games obviously because they're amateur um and for us we really want to go embark on club neutral player development rochester is a town where there's a lot of travel teams there's a there's a lot of great organizations like an empire united uh, i'm sorry they're called rmifc now like doug miller who has an academy several others so we don't really want to get in that space where we're competing however we do want to get into the club neutral player development where our coaches and our our players can teach and train and coach fundamentals and skills and so we're we're we're, we're we had a we actually just launched one of our first ones this summer with dick sporting goods as our partner we sold the camp out it's a week-long camp three hours a day uh we sold it out in less than 24 hours how many players well, i'm sorry 
players. Uh, 30, 30 players, 30 players. Uh, and then we're doing it with the women's team. That'll be another 30 players on the women's side. So 60 kids in a, in a week span <clears throat> getting coached by our, our players and coaches. Um, it was just show that the market's there for us. And this is definitely a growth opportunity for us to get into for sure. Absolutely. How long is it going to be? You said one week? Uh, the first one's a week camp. Yeah. So one week for the men and then a week later, a week for the women. Yeah. There is a, yeah, I, we'll talk about this offline. Um, <clears throat> I know we're coming up, you, coming up here on time. I'll just ask this last question. And then I want to ask to end off with some fun questions. Yeah. Where do you see, you know, the club in the next two and a half years, two and a half years, 2026 World Cup. What do you see that doing for your club? Well, it's yeah, interesting you mentioned the 2026 World Cup. Um, well, not interesting because everybody knows it's on the horizon. That is, that is one of the motivations as well. I think when you asked what was the motivation to launch and when I was trying to tell the story of Flower City Union is 2026, you know, my view, as much as soccer has you know, really gained a stronghold here in America, that could be the tipping point of all tipping points where the floodgates truly can open where everybody that maybe still isn't that aware of soccer becomes way more aware. Hopefully the U S national team continues to progress and grow and puts on a great performance during that world cup. But I mean, look, if we do things in the right way, you know, we're, we're drawing good, healthy crowds. We we've got a sustainable business model. You know, we're, 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 we're part of the fabric of the Rochester community where people say, you know, they, when people say Flower City Union, instead of a lot of them saying, wait, what the heck is that? Or, oh, we have a pro team. They're like, oh, yeah, Flower City Union, that's our club. You know, that's the club for our city, club for our community. And, you know, by then, 26, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe, maybe we get to elevate, end up in Division Two. You know, I don't know if we ever get to a place where this becomes a major league soccer market like uh, – at one time, you know, was was certainly just high up on the list of discussion and Rochester was high up on the expansion list, uh, you know, so so you never know, right? You don't know where this can go. Uh, Rochester as a mid-major city is growing. A lot of people are exiting the, the big cities like, you know, New York and Chicago and L.A. and wanting to come to smaller mid-major markets. So I guess we don't know, but I guess the hope would be we're, we're part of the fabric of the community. We've been accepted. We've been embraced. People are enjoying being part of our culture and what we got going on. And everybody knows who we are instead of uh, the other way around at this moment. And and we're thriving. And then 2026, you know, who knows? The sky's the limit, really, quite frankly, for a club like this. So that's 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 part of the push. And that's part of why, you know, we want to stay involved and why we think um, there could be some, you know, there could be some return. I, you know, I mentioned the Chicago Fire story, you know, maybe, you know, Guys like myself or the other investors that have been doing this for, you know, five, six years at that point might say, all right, we'll, we'll pass the baton, you know, let somebody else uh, like yourself, Kareem, <laughs> pass the torch, take it over and uh, take it to the, to the, you know, to bigger and better, you know, um, that'd be great, you know, so yeah. uh, may, maybe, maybe we're penning a deal in, in, in four years time. <laughs> so, <Absolutely. you> know. <laughs> I, I, I know happened. we're here on time. Did you have a few extra yeah. minutes? Yeah, no, yeah, we're good. I can, I'm good to about. 625 that's okay where i need to go next is only five minutes down the road so i'm okay okay cool so um yeah i mean i guess i'll just go with this last question we'll make it quick um would you say it's easier for you guys to raise capital now uh, in regards from before pitching a vision now you guys have more tangible assets in place yeah great great point um so what i've been telling people including our our current 
camp, you know, that, that we're in is that our story now is so much more attractive and so much better and stronger than our story was six months ago. Than it was six months before that. And then it was even six months before that. When I, when I say it was a business plan in a briefcase, you know, walking around the city, trying to talk to anybody that would listen, you know, the fact that we've got two, you know, we're going to be, you know, two seasons almost under our belt now, you know, we, we figured some things out on the, on the, on the financial side, especially on the expense side, you know, we've got some stroke, we are hitting some stride, we're getting better crowds. Sponsors are starting to, to pick up like, the momentum's there. Uh, the foundation's there. The branding has been established. You know, we like you said, we've learned a lot of things from that first year. We're, we're, we're adding things into our stadium every match now, almost, you know, little pieces here and there. Yeah, I think, I think, and, and look, we do, we do need to raise more capital if we're going to, if we're going to continue to grow this club. And uh, I think our investor capital story now is greater than for sure where we've been at any point. And to me, that makes us way more attractive, way more exciting. And anybody that wants to get involved in the game and knows the history of uh, hit of soccer in Rochester and looks around the, the greater landscape of of, uh, of of the United States, and you look at a city like Rochester with a great soccer-specific stadium right in the middle of downtown, uh, we're we're pretty we're a pretty exciting proposition, I believe, and uh, we all believe that. And so, therefore, I think our conversations and our future is much brighter now. Uh, because of what we've built to this point, uh, 100%. So, um, and we hope some other people that might be listening to your podcasts uh, agree, you know, and then and then maybe we have great, meaningful conversations and uh, exciting outcomes could come, you know, from it. So I think uh, the answer is 100% without question. We're way more attractive now. We've done a lot of the nitty gritty, the, you know, the, 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 the roll up your sleeves, a lot more to be done, clearly, but uh, yeah, I think I think we're a way more exciting proposition at this moment. Absolutely. Uh, just to end off here on the the fun questions, I got six fun ones, but they're speed. Sure. Oh, so you got to answer That's... them super fast. Yeah, no worries. We're good. Thank okay. you. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite sport besides soccer? Uh, I would have to say football, NFL, and college football for sure. Yeah. My daughter goes to South Carolina now, so I become a big Gamecocks fan all of a sudden. And I've always been a Colts fan ever since I was a kid. Baltimore Orioles uh, were the farm team. The Red Wings were the farm team of the Orioles. So that's why I'm a Colts fan. <laughs> what, um, what about your favorite? Do you have a favorite soccer team? That's a hard one. I, you know, it's weird. I'm not like this big EPL guy or anything. I mean, Flower City I, Union. Yeah, no, Flower City <laughs> Union, of course. Uh, the, the club I have the most affinity to by far is still D.C. United. See even that. though I work for Metro Stars, well, Red Bull, New York, even though I work for Chicago Fire, no disrespect to those two teams, just DC United has that special place for me early in my career, starting off so many great relationships. I still have the present day. Uh, that's the club I'm the most fond of. And if you were to say, hey, which club? It's that. If I were to pick a club overseas, I'd lean towards Chelsea for no other reason than we had them in the very first all-star game in the very one of the first matches ever at Toyota Park that I was personally involved with. And I got to know that club pretty well during that time. Um, yeah. So those, those would be the, I love, I love, I love a couple. I love SC Barcelona. I like La Liga. So, but anyway, those are the clubs if I had to pick them. <laughs> so, what about favorite player? Oh, wow. 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 Okay, man. That's hard for me. Cause I have a lot of relationships with some of them. So if I say anybody domestically, I might offend somebody else. I don't know. Uh, I mean, look, I, I, 
Wow, that's a hard one. I mean, look, everybody you know, got to love what Messi does, right? And you said these are going to be quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I think, look, Beckham was great for our league when he came in into Major League Soccer. So I have an affinity for, for Beckham. Uh, I love Messi, what he does, you know. Um, again, if I had to pick, I, internationally, I'd probably go with those two. Uh, domestically, I don't know, there's a whole slew of players that uh, I just respect and admire and, um, you know, uh, yeah, a lot, both on men's and women's, mind you. Uh, I have so many women players that I just have so much respect for. Uh, I mean, I would mention Abby Wambach just because I'm from Rochester and we had a nice relationship when I was there. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll shout out to Alexi Laws just because I've been t- texting with him during his World Cup coverage with the women and stuff. But uh, John Harks, Jeff Agus, man, so many guys, I could list so many, Echeverry, Moreno, like all, a lot of the classic DC United guys, you know. Too many to list. I don't know. I can't pick one. <laughs> so, what about favorite music? Oh, that's easy for me. Hundred percent. I'm a heavy metal. I'm a metalhead. Um, I used to hide behind that strangely, Kareem, because I felt like metal was a looked down upon kind of music genre of like, why, why are you this soccer sports executive? You know, you're an executive vice president of the Chicago Fire, and then. You know, behind the scenes, you know, I'm throwing on the, the denim and leather and going to a actually I don't really wear the denim and leather, but uh actually my 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 metal buddies tease me because actually I just went to a metal show last night. I went to go see Pantera and Lamb of God and they they had a bet what I was gonna show up wearing, soccer stuff or metal stuff. And uh I had a little bit of both. I had my flower city and I had my uh, my Judas priest hat. So but I, I I met a guy who's a highly successful um he 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 consults with CEOs. Uh, highly successful, has written a book, gets guest speaking engagements all across the country. He's with a uh, McKenzie group, you know, highly regarded consulting firm, big metalhead. He's like, Mark, celebrate it. Don't hide behind it. He goes, why are you hiding? It's just music. You know, it's what you love. And so that, that's, that's my passion. And, you know, I met a lot of metal guys through soccer because Metallica, the biggest one, uh, I've got a huge history with like James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich because they wanted to meet our DC United players back in the day. And we brought them soccer cleats and jerseys. And I send stuff to the, to the bands a lot. And uh, Maiden's another one, Iron Maiden. I met, you know, they're huge soccer hat fans. So I met a lot of cool metal guys because of uh, the sport of soccer. And a friend of mine who happens to be, uh, his name is Metal Mike. He lives in New Jersey. Uh, you know, he's been in tons of bands and uh, all because of soccer. Nice. So. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> Soccer and metal, they go together. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a really big house music guy now. Like just the oh. beat. I really like the house music now. Yeah. No it's kind of similar. It's a similar vibe, techno house, a little bit of that beat, you know, and then the, the metal is a little more aggressive, you know. But I will also have to admit I'm a I'm a closet Swifty. Um I, I got two daughters and I just with them growing up as kids, we listen to them like 80 million times every road trip we ever been on. And then I keep look, listening and I went to the Eras tour and like, honestly, as many metal shows I've been to and rock concerts in my life, put that one up there at probably near the top of the list, if not the top. Uh, so I'll, I'll admit that I'm a closet Swifty as well. Swifty dad, we'll go with that. <laughs> what about favorite food? Uh, well, uh, I will share also that I have had a heart issue within the last two years that became very well known to me. Um, so I've changed my food a lot. I'm I'm way more vegetarian, vegan side of things at this moment, more out of health issues than any other belief system. Uh, if I had to pick one, though, I'm going to go with Italian um, and Indian food's not too far behind it for me. Um, 
but I, I, I love to cook too. And I love experimenting. And so when being forced more into vegetarian and veganism has been a little bit of a challenge for me, but, um, it's healthier and uh, I feel good because uh, I don't have to affect many, as many animals anymore. <laughs> Maybe I do like fish too. Though. I'll eat, I'll eat seafood. So but. I'm glad you're healthy now. Um, thank you. Yeah. I, thank you. The, the last one, uh, what's your favorite uh, activity? Uh, I just, I love, I just, I'm an, I'm an outdoors kind of guy. I love, I love being outdoors. I love to play sports. I'll play any sport pretty much. Uh, I'm a big tennis player. I'm actually going to play tonight. That's where I got to go in a little bit. Um, I play soccer. I play flag football. Guys in my old neighborhood play every weekend. Uh, I love to bike. I love to canoe, paddleboard, kayak. Catch me outdoors pretty much. You know, like I don't like being indoors. I don't like when I get stuck inside. When I had my health issue with my heart, I, uh, I got stuck inside. And I'm like, I'm the wrong guy to have this happen. Luckily, I've been able to get back to a lot of those activities that I really enjoy. Uh, so you'll see, you'll find me outdoors. <laughs> that's golfing. I'm yep. terrible at it, but I'll do that. So, uh, that's, that's what, yeah, that's, that's what I like to do. And then I try to play guitar, but I'm, I'm terrible at it. So I, I'm, it's weird. Some people don't have a lot of hobbies and then like, I'm one of those guys that probably has too many and I can't do them all anyway. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good at a few. I'm not great at any, <laughs> so, uh, but I like to stay busy and, uh, stay active and, um, you know, catch a soccer game here and there <laughs> so yeah. one too many soccer games at this point probably but uh yeah it's just been one of those things you know so um kareem i gotta tell you these are great i enjoy the conversation here and love to come back maybe one day and uh maybe maybe spend more time you know and, yeah and thank you thank you you've done a great job you prepared obviously and excited. i, I gotta go back and check some of your some of your other interviews now yeah for sure we, we have um a hashtag ownership club ownership uh, podcast playlist on YouTube. So I think oh, that's nice. the one stuff I want to check out your soccer business um, that you'd like. Um, but yeah, this this is going to go there as well. And Mark, I appreciate you taking the time. This was great. I, I definitely want to ask a few more questions uh, offline and hopefully yes. in the future we'll have you back when you guys sell the club for, you know, a few <laughs> dollars. Okay. Super excited. No, that'd be exciting. No, Kareem, thanks for your time. Yeah, 100% uh, want to have a conversation with you offline and uh, after the podcast. And um, yeah, look forward to future conversations with you. And uh, congratulations and continued success to you and uh, One Soccer Nation. Thank you. Thank you. You too, Mark. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.